Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. Manufacturing is roaring back to life all through Ohio, with the Intel Chips plant being built near Columbus, a Honda EV battery plant in Fayette County, both GM and Foxconn building electric vehicles and batteries in the Mahoning Valley, and more. Well, it's an exciting time and a great reversal of fortune for a state which has seen so much job loss over the past 50 years. U.S. Senator Sherrod Brown. When Lordstown shut down and we lost the Chevy, the Chevy Cruze plant, um, at the beginning of the, you know, during the, several years ago, um, it, it, it was, we knew we had to do something and we couldn't give up on auto. We still have a lot of auto production, Ohio. We don't have what we used to, but we will displace that with battery, with solar. Uh, near Toledo, uh, we have the largest solar manufacturer in North America. So in, in clean energy related issues from auto to solar, uh, we need to lead the nation, and that's what we're trying to do. And to both celebrate and promote continued growth, Northeast Ohio's Manufacturing Advocacy and Growth Network, a nonprofit headquartered in Cleveland, just this week opened the doors on their brand-new 53,000-square-foot facility at the corner of East 63rd Street and Chester Avenue. With a prototyping lab, learning wing, technology showcase, and more, it's designed to help teach students about the vast and growing opportunities available in the state's widely varied manufacturing sector and to connect people looking for work with employers who would be happy to have them. CEO Ethan Karp. I, I think the first thing to note is that there are so many existing manufacturers who have these great jobs that uh, those postings are available every single day. And you don't get the brand name of an Intel yet, but those jobs will lead very quickly to when Intel opens its door, joining them, or somebody might find that they really love that career that they have in a smaller company. There's a lot of advantages to smaller companies. So give me an example of a smaller company, let's say in the Akron-Canton area, or maybe at least a company type that people could go to right now and find jobs. I would bet any single company manufacturer that you go to has an open position. Let's take, for example, somebody that's doing CNC machining. So they're making metal parts. What they need is everything from if you have zero experience, somebody to come help them load the parts, make sure that the machines are running, monitor the machines, to somebody if you went to Stark State or you went to someplace where you got a little bit of training, you would actually program these multi-million dollar machines to make those parts. Once you've done that, you can go into supervision. If you like that, you can say, all right, there's a few folks that are doing those things. You're now supervising them. Or you could go into quality management, make sure the parts are being done right. Or you could go into the office. Manufacturers are hungry for people literally in all areas of their business, sales and marketing and finance. So going into one of these manufacturers, be they a big name brand you're hearing about, or one of the small ones down the street that you may not know about until you search, it really opens a world of possibilities. So what's been so exciting about this year is that these large scale manufacturers are actually moving some of the jobs that they had overseas back to the United States. And I was reading some articles about it and everybody seems to be pretty excited, but there was one kind of snarky comment that caught my eye. And that was like, well, there's going to be these jobs, but very few of the people who need them are actually qualified for them. 
And I wasn't sure that that was true, but if it is true, then how do people get qualified? There's a huge push from Intel in particular to work with all of the academic institutions to create the right semiconductor engineering programs that would prep people for those roles. There will be an enormous number of roles that don't require huge amounts of preparation. And then there'll be enormous amounts of roles where engineering degrees are required. But these are the same engineering degrees that students can go into today, or if not today, if those programs aren't created today, literally next year, and get a degree in, or go to night school and get a degree in. The opportunities are going to be very, very vast at a place that employs thousands of people. And the education opportunities have been the number one thing that these organizations not only are looking for locally when they've moved here, but are investing in locally to make sure that we have the training locally for it. I know with Akron Public Schools, they have something called their College and Career Academy, and they do try to get people at least some education so that they can start out. And I think the goal is to get them at least out the door and ready to maybe go to a Stark State or to a University of Akron if they want to get a four-year degree. But uh, to me, when I saw that kind of comment that nobody is qualified, it seems to me that people are starting to get qualified even at the high school level. Isn't that true? I think that qualification is a little bit of a red herring. Obviously, there are many roles that require degrees, et cetera. But manufacturers have recognized that the number of people that are needed especially when these big companies come in, are so large, they need to take it upon themselves to take anybody where they're at, bring them in at the level they can do great work and figure out if they want it, how to train them, which is why they pay for the training, which is why there's flexible degrees at Stark State at, at uh, you know in Akron. Wh- wherever you are, there's community colleges that are able to actually give you part-time, really, really cost-effective practical skills in those career fields. Well, and I had also, when I talked to Lieutenant Governor John Houston recently, he talked about that tech cred program that they have. And it seems like the state is giving out money directly to employers to allow them to pay for training, to cover the cost. The majority of companies already pay for part-time training, sometimes completely 100% free. Tech cred and similar training funds if you don't already have a program like that or you don't pay all of it, adds money to it. The financial barriers really are not the barriers that once you're in a manufacturer might get in your way. I can't say it's super easy, right? Once you're in a manufacturer, you then have to do school part-time, et cetera, which for many is the only way you can do it because you've got to support a family, but the opportunities are there and they're not going to cost you an arm and a leg once you're into a manufacturer because that manufacturer knows the only way they're going to get their next talent is by investing in their people like this. And that's big companies, that's small companies, that's all of the companies. And I know that today, a huge number of people do not actually take advantage of it. So if you're looking at manufacturing and saying, oh, it's a career or college, I would, I would strip that immediately away from your mind. It's both. It's debt-free college. It's college that actually aligns with what you're going to be doing as a career. And I think anybody going into one of these jobs, even if you're starting out at a, at a lower salary base level, your first thought should be, what's the next rung? What education takes me to the next rung? How do I move up in this company? And once you've seen the company for a few months, you're going to see the roles that appeal to you. And if you set your sights on it, it's not like manufacturers are just missing the entry level roles. They're missing all of them. So there's room to grow. There's room. That's why it's a career. 
And again, that's that's for the big companies coming in here or, or the small companies. I think what we should be thinking about for the big companies is not the lack of qualification, but the fact that our existing manufacturers already have such a gap in terms of the number of people they need to hire. These big companies are only going to make that problem worse. There's only going to be more opportunity. Potentially, wages will go up as well as competition heats up. But there's only going to be more opportunities for folks in manufacturing. So jumping in today to the field is better than it has ever been. So do you know anything about the opportunities that are going to be available that they call it the Voltage Valley there in the Youngstown area with the battery manufacturing and the electric vehicles and Foxconn has come in? Do you have any update on that? So every area of our of our region has its own flavor of where they are seeking to see innovation. And Youngstown and Voltage Valley, obviously, where you're saying batteries and electric vehicles, and this makes a ton of sense. A lot of electric, a lot of automotive companies there who are going to need to pivot or change to be able to adapt to cars that don't have combustion engines. So there's a lot of really forward-looking people and a lot of companies investing. Again, those jobs are going to be the same types of jobs as exist in manufacturing in terms of entry level. When you're going in, they will train you. And I know that there are some at YSU and others, there are folks focusing specifically on battery technology. But again, those are the same jobs that if you went into a Foxconn, if you went into one of these companies, they're going to say, great, you have high potential. Go get this degree. We'll support you while you do it. Go get this training. We'll support you while you do it. And frankly, if the education institutes don't have it, they're going to do on the job training and apprentice you to do it because they need it. And I, and I know there's many initiatives going on to try and get people trained, but I just don't want anybody in the audience to think, oh, well, if I don't have the degree, I can't do it. I, go try, talk to the company. The company might say, well, you need such and such degree to get here. Great. Work for them part-time while you get that degree or say, fine, I see your role. I want that role. This is the degree that will get me there. I'm going to go spend a year and get that degree. And then you're directly linking what you're doing educationally with what you're going to get as a job. And that's the same if you're doing the polymer industry in the Akron Canton area. That's the same as if you want to do something in metals. It's it's the same approach. Uh, I, education is critical. It really is. But it is not critical that it all be done before you explore a manufacturing career. See, I like that because I think that people a lot of times get scared. They're looking for a job and they're like, oh, I don't have all the qualifications. I can't possibly even apply for this job. It sounds to me like, Maybe that's true with some other kinds of fields, but not necessarily in manufacturing. Yeah. And I don't want to downplay. There are some that requires knowledge, but I would even say that a lot of that knowledge that's needed is experience actually in the manufacturing floor. Your degree only goes so far when it comes to real machines and real problems and real experience. That all being said, the opportunity for a individual to rise up in manufacturing without degrees behind them is larger than any other field that I'm aware of. Even companies that you'd say, oh, well, these people all must have degrees. You walk in and you're like, no, they all learned it on the shop floor, they all grew up. Now, I am a big proponent of college. I'm a big proponent of degrees. I think you should get them if you can get them because it does allow you to be more transferable. So if you decide you want a different company, and let's be honest, sometimes layoffs happen. And that's not saying, oh, manufacturing is going down. No, but your particular company you work for might have a trouble sometime. You're going to need to go somewhere else. If we're not in a labor market like today, where manufacturers are desperate. So let's say we're in a little bit of a recession. 
Well, then a degree really helps you because it says, hey, look, I've got this thing going on. You should hire me instead of the other person next to me. Today, it's practically irrelevant for all but, you know, your engineering degrees, which are really important just because manufacturers are so hungry. But I really encourage everybody to go and get that degree because this is where we have an advantage as a, as a country. We really tell people education is important. And it's not just education today. It's education five years from now. And 10 years from now, all of the technologies that these companies are adopting, which mind you is what makes this so much different than 30 years ago. You're more likely to be tending a robot than you are to be moving a box. All of those technologies require more knowledge and you can learn it on the shop floor, but what if there's nobody to teach you, right? There's where, all right, I'm gonna go get this certification. I'm gonna go learn how to use a collaborative robot that can work next to me. I'm gonna go learn a little bit of a maintenance technician. Now you've made yourself incredibly valuable to the company because you're pushing the company forward. So now not only are you just moving in your career, you're now leading in those companies. Those are the individuals that are going to be running these plants. Those are the individuals that are eventually be the CEOs of these plants. That's why this kind of lifelong learning is such an important thing. And I really think we have an advantage over other countries. Other countries are not teaching this to people. They're saying, oh, you learned what you learned. Great. Go and spend your career. We're saying, no, start your career and continue learning. So far, we've seen big gains in Ohio in, let's say, automotive technology, batteries, electric vehicles. We're seeing the Intel plant with the computer chips. We're seeing expansions of solar technology, let's say, in the Toledo area. What else is coming that you've heard of? Do you have any knowledge about any other big new manufacturing on the horizon? So the big thing that people are only slightly talking about, you hear it sometimes when people talk about charging stations. Okay, that's the tip of the iceberg. So electric vehicles, by far, the biggest change to manufacturing. In fact, you may not know it because we don't have the Fords here. Obviously, we have Honda plant here, but automotive, more than anything else, drives our manufacturing economy. If automotive goes up or down, our economy in manufacturing and thus our entire economy go up or down. We make the pieces and parts for so many vehicles. So the shift from to electric vehicles is enormous. But going along with that, if you've seen some of the reports from California elsewhere, all of these ambitious goals to have all of this electrified cars leaves an infrastructure that cannot handle it. We literally do not have enough electricity <laughs> and we do not have the ways to carry that electricity and we do not have the charging stations to be able to support that. The amount of, if you think about how many companies when we've had shale gas, when, you know, natural gas has been uh, and, and all the gases have been, you know, very expensive and it's been really made a lot of sense to frack and all those sorts of things. The manufacturing industries that supply them, the tubing, the piping, the tools, local industries have boomed. Well, that's the same thing here. The amount of infrastructure required to electrify to such a level where electric vehicles are actually the main thing we use is immense. And the country is going to undergo this. And manufacturers who are involved in that energy supply chain, that is a big deal. And I think that the type of manufacturing we do is absolutely primed as a state 
to be the biggest driver of that. We also don't have, right, if you look at Texas or something, they've got a lot of fortunes kind of tied up in oil production and these sorts of things. That's not going to necessarily be their first thing, which is get electricity everywhere. Again, you know, maybe a California will, but we can see all the issues that California has with taxes and people leaving and the natural disasters and things like this. I think as the third most populous manufacturing state, Ohio, I think we are the potential winners of all of the charging infrastructure, all the electricity infrastructure that's going to be required over the next two decades. One of the questions that this class asked me was, why Ohio? Why are people interested in coming here? And my answer was, well, we know a lot about manufacturing in Ohio. We've got a lot of great highways. We've got transportation and so we've got the people and we've got the transportation. Is that the right answer? Is there more to it? So I'll, I'll separate the conversation. Attraction versus growing here. So the attraction is a really complicated puzzle. How much money did you throw at the company? Are there customers and suppliers nearby? Do you have the travel infrastructure? We do. We're centrally located. I think more and more, you know, natural disasters actually play a role. You know, you don't want all that disruption if you're on a coast. You have the thinking around the people. Do you have the know-how? Do you have the skill? And, and honestly, I think if we could have said we have more skilled talent that is going unused than anywhere else, every company would come to us. But since nobody has that answer, we have a slight advantage because we do have a lot of manufacturing that a big company paying whatever Intel's paying $100,000 can steal from a lot of different companies to fill their ranks. Education institutes already have training programs they can bolster. So you're totally right about that and totally right about the infrastructure. I just think that the factors in attracting a big company are so varied and, and not entirely dependent upon the state and where you're at. Although I can tell you, if you're not friendly, if you don't have good tax policy, if you don't have any of those things, you'll be disqualified. So clearly, Ohio has it going on, which makes sense given the amount of manufacturing we have. If you're talking about growing here, it's people. It's people and our ability to demonstrate that the business environment here is at least modestly better than somewhere else because it's a real pain in the rear to be able to actually move a manufacturing company. So there's a lot of barriers to keep a company here and have them grow here as long as there's nothing that is actively making them want to leave. Talent becomes the number one thing there. If they can't find talent here and think they can find it elsewhere, they will move. So as we wrap up, if you had to pick a sector in Ohio that is specific to Ohio that's kind of homegrown that we're not bringing in from somewhere else that's like going to be getting bigger? What would you say? That is the hardest question in the world to answer. In fact, it is a blessing in our curse that we make pieces and parts for everything. We are like the number one airplane parts producer. I already mentioned about automotive. You already talked about the solar and about the electric vehicles and the batteries. We already talked about semiconductors now. When we go into plants and companies, which we do every single day, We'll walk in one and here's a dog toy. Walk in another, here's a beauty product. Here's a widget that's buried deep inside the bowels of some x-ray machine. We literally make pieces and parts of, of everything. And you can look and say, well, we have some really big name brands like P&G. That's very true. You know, you, you, there's a few of those really everybody knows this thing. But it's a blessing because it's diversity. When one industry goes down, others support it, right? We're not entirely dependent upon one industry. 
it's a curse because we can't get known for any one thing. We can't go out and sell and say, we are, to answer your question, we are the home of building ships. We are the home of cars. We are, we, we can't say that. And, and it makes the marketing of this third most populous manufacturing state difficult. So I just look and I say, we make pieces and parts for everything. If you want to make it, we can make it in Ohio. And if it's super high tech, like Intel, we can make it. If it's super low tech, like, uh, you know, just, just making a, making a, a bent piece of metal, we can make it. It doesn't matter. We have the capabilities. And I also want to tell people that, look, these companies are in your backyards. We, we don't think of all these companies all the time because they're kind of hidden from us. They're literally in warehouses and those warehouses do not look very appealing from the outside. You'd be amazed at the technology inside when you walk inside. So all of these things are literally being made in our backyards and we should be celebrating that. Uh, we're actually here today opening our new building in Cleveland, uh, which will serve all of Northeast Ohio. We're gonna have thousands of students from across the entire region come here, touch, feel, see what modern manufacturing's like. That's what we need more of. We need to show products that are made here to remind people that even though it might be 20 people, they're making the thing you're sitting on today. It is the lifeblood. Half of our economy depends upon it. And the things that you're talking about, Intel and these big companies are just affirmations that this is really important to the state. That is the last thing I'll leave with is if you think about one ingredient that I've heard explicitly, the Intels and others talk about why they're coming to Ohio is the collaboration in the state. It feels like from the government to the local entities, people are actually working together. And in the decade that I've been doing this job at Magnet, I've seen that shift across the state, across Northeast Ohio, both political entities, but also nonprofits saying, we can't just be in our little city silos. We've got to be thinking differently. We've got to be leading across the entire region that's what's going to make a difference. And I think these big mega projects that come here, once in a generation opportunities, are also a result of having our act together and acting as one giant entity that believes in manufacturing. That was Magnet CEO Ethan Karp. For more information about Magnet and how they can help you find your next great job in manufacturing, go to manufacturingsuccess.org. And if you happen to live in the area and would like to check out their new Manufacturing Innovation, Technology, and Job Center in person, they're having an open house there today, October 28th, from 1.30 p.m. to 6 p.m. And that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net.